Today's episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott. Now, Joe is not only a fantastic guitar player, he draws on his years of experience as the ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and also at the McNally Smith Music College. Here's a few words from Joe about the course. If you're tired of waiting through hundreds of random guitar videos and just want to become a better player, Fretboard Biology is your answer. Fretboard Biology is a self-paced, college-level program that will give you the right instruction, in the right amounts, and in the right order. You'll learn the same information I taught to thousands of other guitar players over 30 years of teaching in top music colleges. If you want to make real progress with your guitar playing, then sign up for a free 7-day trial at fretboardbiology.com. All right, hi there. You are listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling, and this is the show that I produce in Sydney, Australia. We do interviews with leading guitarists, and of course, we do our iconic album series where I am joined by my friends Rob Rhodes. Hey, Matt. And Gabor Jessica. Hey, Matt. Hey, Rob. Hey, Gabor. Great to see you guys. This is the series where Rob, Gabor, and myself, we talk about some of the most iconic albums in our record collections. And uh, we have at it. And before before we kick into to this episode's album, quick shout out to Anthony Gerber, lovely bloke who I met a couple of years ago. Just uh, sent an, an email in saying he was loving the show and he has created a Spotify playlist of all the albums that we've covered so far. So thanks heaps, Wowzers. Anthony. Yeah, great work. Very cool. We'll um, I'll stick that in uh, a link. I'll stink, I'll stink a link. I'll, stink a link. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll stink a link into the show notes. <laughs> and Gabor can go back and listen to Van Halen and Cold Chisel albums to his heart's are. content. Yes, <laughs> finally. He has, he has burned those links. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, to, for today I'm going um, full classic mode. Um, Jimi Hendrix, we're checking out his debut album, Are You Experienced?, which was released in May of 1967. Um, Hendrix, in his short but fiery career, he only recorded four studio albums and there were a bunch of other live things and um, there was some posthumous stuff, of course. Um, And they're all killer. So I just thought, let's just grab the first one because there's so much great stuff on there. Now, in this series, I've told you guys a few times, the first time I, I heard a lot of these artists I guess the more classic artists, when I was a young guitarist, I didn't get so many of these bands because I was such a headbanger. If it didn't involve tapping and whammy bars, I wasn't, I didn't get it. So I'm almost embarrassed to admit, first time I heard Hendrix, obviously I knew the name, um, but I just did not get it. I didn't know why Hey Joe was that good compared to, I don't know, whatever Van Halen record I was listening to at the time or something. It seemed a little lame. But I did come around um, really quickly, actually. I think by the time I was 20, I had a big Hendrix poster on my wall and I was digging into the stuff and, and it kind of made sense. So I don't know. There's something to be said for for maturing. So we'll get into the record, but I'm interested in in how you guys first heard of Hendrix and uh, if you were as dumb as me or, or you're far more, far more cool. Gabor? <laughs> well, <laughs> this is another one of those where I'm going to get completely shunned by the guitar community. Uh, so this was my first time of almost <laughs> listening to an entire Hendrix album. <laughs> so I'm not I'm I'm where you were in your you know before you turned twenty in your teens. Rob is speechless. I'm just saying. I know. <laughs> I'm just glad that I'm fine. I'm back at home yeah, for I know, these recordings because you're not, you're not be next like, to me because I think now be- he would have definitely murdered me. But uh, <laughs> banished you. Banished you from your own studio. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I mean, I knew I knew of the hits. You know, I, I think it's almost impossible to play guitar. Uh, you know, anywhere from the you know seventies onwards, and yeah. not know of the big hits. And I mean, this album has a lot of big hits on it. You know, the Purple Hazes, the Manic Depressions, the Hey Joes, the the Fires, the Foxy Ladies. Um, <laughs> Um, uh, uh, but yeah, I've never, I don't know. It's just one of those things. I never quite got it is like Matt was saying, I never quite got it. And, um, uh, yeah. So this was one of my first full listens, uh, not quite because 
that's it. Were we going by the the original recording, or were we going by the the re- more recent releases that have like ten well, extra songs yeah. on it? Yeah, because there's the obviously there's the like B sides American release and the UK release, and the track listing's different. Yeah, and then there's the posthumous releases with where they put all the original singles and B sides. That's it. So, so tacked on and end up with seventeen tracks instead of. Wait, I'll get the vinyl. Yeah, I was going yeah, so I uh, almost made it through all 17, but it didn't quite. <laughs> there's only 11 tracks on the That's original. what I get, because I looked so, on Wikipedia. Yeah. And so, so I listened to yeah. the 11 that were on the original thing, um, but I didn't quite make it through all the 17. So that's, I listen. okay, so I listened to an entire Hendrix album then, yes. Yeah. No, cool. Solid effort, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Hey, Rob, uh, you've got the record you were showing us before we hit record. Tell us about yeah. the, uh, the LP you've got. So... This is the um, the latest release, um, the stereo release of Are You Experienced? And it's got the US cover, which is the yellow with the pink and purple yeah, it's awesome. type psychedelic type on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's the UK release, which is kind of like greeny gray mm. with the three of them on the front. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Hendrix for me, I've always been a massive Hendrix fan. So uh, I think... Going back to all those TV shows, you would see Hendrix. Um, but I think the actual first time I was in year 10 and I went to work experience uh, in the city as a, wait for it, computer engineer. Whoa. And, wow. uh, yeah. Anyway, you should have seen the computers in that place. Yeah. Uh, Bigger than a fridge, and I just—I pretty much just changed tapes, like data tapes, and sent information, awesome. and it was crazy. This is twenty-seven but, bytes. <laughs> oh my god! So what was that? 90, 1991. Uh-huh. and um, so I had been playing guitar for a year up until that point, and my mate had Band of Gypsies on vinyl, so we listened to that and Smash Hits. Um, but again, I it was just in the periphery. Uh, I wasn't really there yet. Yeah, we learnt Hey Joe in guitar class because it was an easy open chord changes and solo, you know, in E minor pentatonic. And But the guy I was doing work experience with, uh, he gave me a couple of tapes on the second day and one was Black Crow's Shake Your Moneymaker and the other one was Hendrix Crossroads, which was another compilation. Mm. Um, but the difference with that one is that it had a couple of the songs that came out after he died, so posthumous releases from Cry of Love. Uh, and, um, yeah, and I love that, and I wore that tape out. And then it was just a matter of I pretty much bought every Hendrix record which is funny because on CD I don't have Are You Experienced. I thought I had it, but I've got it on vinyl, so that's a pass, right? That's it's a, a disc. Uh, that's <laughs> an A+, plus, man. <laughs> yeah, so Hendrix has always been big for me. Him and Clapton are the reason why I bought a wah pedal. And um, although I'm not a fuzz guy, so strange, I love listening to it and I love his tone. And um, to me, he's the quintessential middle pickup strat player. Um, and that's kind of... My background with Hendrix, just yeah, love, love it. See, I didn't even know he was a middle pickup guy. Yeah, you can hear, you can really hear it. It's okay. that real woody kind of sound, you know. He switches between a lot, but yeah, is a lot of that, especially this record. There's a lot of that middle pickup. Okay. Mm. Yeah, cool. So, the track listing, Rob. What have you got on the vinyl there? All right, so Purple Haze, Manic Depression, Hey Joe, Love or Confusion, May This Be Love and I Don't Live Today is side one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then side two is The Wind Cries Mary, Fire, Third Stone from the Sun, Fox E Lady and Are You Experienced yeah, cool. to close it out. Yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. So I listened to all them. Woo! <laughs> yeah. That's a solid past two good balls. Serious, it's all good. <laughs> But then obviously, you know, the things that weren't on there were the early, you know, the early singles and B-sides like yeah. Stone Free yeah. and um, et cetera. We'll get to those, yeah. I think. Red sure House. 
Red House, yeah. Yeah, it's funny how that stuff gets added and, and I think over time, especially with streaming services too, often, yeah, you just get a whole chunk of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's not the original. Because you know, I thought but back in those days there would have been a double album then for 17 songs, so that's why I thought I looked it up and I, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, yeah, look, I guess a little bit of backstory on this. So Hendrix, um, obviously American, playing in America, but his solo career wasn't, wasn't doing a great deal until he was discovered by Chaz Chandler, the, the bass player for The Animals, who saw him in, uh, I think it was 66, 65 or 66. In September 1966, Hendrix arrives in England and uh, with Chandler, they get pretty busy putting, putting a band together, getting Hendrix out there. There's some notable jams with Hendrix getting up with Cream and... Uh, and just stunning everyone, including Clapton, side of stage, just freaking out. Um, so there's some great, there's some great stories like that. But so within, I guess, within a year of of Hendrix arriving in England, uh, Are You Experienced comes out. Axis Boulder's Love is also released in '67. Great record, amazing oh. record. Yeah, like I said, I could have happily chosen any of them, especially the first three. They're just so phenomenal. So this. This is his, was his first sort of official album, this one. Long play, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. So Hey Joe and Purple Haze had been singles and had done really well in the UK. Not so much the States. The States took a little while to warm up to, to Jimmy, um, although they certainly would. But just a bit of context. In 1967, these are some of the albums that came out. And, and some of these bands were putting out multiple records that year. But there were new records by The Beatles, The Velvet Underground, Pink Floyd, Cream... The Doors, The Kinks, The Rolling Stones, The Four Tops, Tim Buckley, Traffic, Nina Simone, Aretha Franklin, The Mamas and the Puppers, Albert King, The Monkees, The Bee Gees even had a record out in 67. Wow. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Was it, was it Sgt. Pepper's 67? Yeah. Those yep. Sgt. Pepper's? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think one, another great story is that Sgt. Pepper's comes out and a couple of days after it's out, Hendrix opens a gig with with the cover, playing a cover. Oh, yeah, of Sergeant yeah, yeah. I've heard about that. Yeah. And McCartney's there, like just loving it because because yeah. he was a huge um, Hendrix. And I think fan. he chose to play it on his first one of his first TV appearances too. He just like out of nowhere, they do it on on a. Yeah. I don't know. It wasn't Dick Cavett because that came later, but yeah. it was one of those earlier shows that they're just like Jimi Hendrix experience launches, and he decides. I'm going to play Sergeant Peppers. <laughs> what? You must love that song. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? So, yeah, lots of hits. As, as we said, um, Hey Joe, Purple Haze, Foxy Lady, Wind Cries Mary, massive, massive, massive hits. And I don't know, the deep cuts, if you can call them that, I think they're all just as, just as great. So, Gabor, first time Hendrix record. What what stood out for you? Uh, standout tracks um, for me, uh, probably so. Standout track. I really like Manic Depression. Yeah, uh, I liked it. Is it three four? Is it six eight? Three four. Three four. Because it, yeah. it's hard like to hit. Three. The drums are all over the place. It's hard to kind of hear where it sort of is. Um, yeah. I liked. I was. I have a thing for Odd Time Signature. So that's one of the ones. Uh, Third Stone from the Sun. I really like. Uh, and I mean, aside from the the big hits, you know, there's Purple Haze, there's Hey Joe, yeah. Wind Cries Mary. That's they're all great songs. Um, Foxy Lady, always love that. Fire. Yeah. Um, uh, I think I heard the Red Hot Chili Peppers version f- before I ever heard the Hendrix version. But um, um, uh, are you experienced the whole backwards thing? I like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so the standout tracks: uh, Purple Haze, Manic Depression, Hey Joe. Wind Cries Mary, Fire, Third Stone from the Sun, Foxy La- Foxy Lady, and I Experienced. They're probably the ones that stood out the most to me. Sure, sure. Um, when you say Fire, so what was it? Who did you hear? The Chili Peppers version? Chili Peppers did did a cover of it. Uh, I think they really, it was on an album. They had it on one mm-hmm. of their albums. It was on either on Mother's Milk or the one before that. The, is it the Uplift Mofo Party Plan or whatever it was called? It was on one of their albums. Either the one before Blood Sugar Sex Magic or the one before that. And they played it live a lot. And they used to have uh, these kind of helmets on with fire and like on top. Yeah, I saw them doing that. <laughs> uh, and not much else on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a position um, there. 
And it was it was pretty much from it was pretty much the the Chili Peppers version was pretty much almost a note for note. Okay. Cover. So when I heard the original version, it was pretty much exactly the same. But if I always liked Fire Foxy Lady, I always that's the song I always yeah. I like it. I like the whole the vibe of it. Um, uh, Wind Cries Mary is a beautiful song. Mm. You know, like like uh, the whole I don't get it. Again, I don't mean it in a way that I, I mean I get why Hendrix is Hendrix and why you know. Uh, it's just not necessarily something I would listen to on a daily basis. But sure. that's just you know that's me. But I, the 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 hits and stuff. I mean, they're great songs. Totally. I was going to say. I need to. I need to. <laughs> Rob's looking looking at me quite angry. So. <laughs> no, no. no it's... <laughs> I'm joking. All good. It's, it's I'm joking, what right. taste is, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mine's bad, so we all know that. So <laughs> if we all had the same taste, we'd all be listening to one band, and everyone else would be ignored. So. Exactly. Variety is the space of life. Exactly. I think the first time I heard Fire was in Wayne's World when um, oh I yeah, can't the name of the band, um, Wayne's girlfriend's band, Tia Carrere. Yeah. yeah. What was that band called? Yeah. Oh God, no, I, I can't, can't remember, remember that. Anyway, but it was a good version. Isn't of Fire. Foxy Shame Lady in that as well? Isn't that? I think uh, Foxy Lady's not too. It's, maybe it's my... used as incidental music when Garth um, wants to talk to Kim Bassinger or someone. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a bit shy, but then <laughs> and then he kind of gets hit back against the wall. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Swing. Yes, there you go. Um, Rob, how about you? Um, look, manic depression for me. It's it's always been one of my favourite songs to play live, and I really. I'm I'm probably going to mention a few cover versions throughout this sure. podcast that people should check out too. And there is. Seal and Jeff Beck do a cover of Manic Depression on mm-hmm. that Stone Free tribute oh, record. Yeah, yeah. And it's killer. And they do this little halftime breakdown call and response thing in the middle. It's it's Does, so good. When I was looking at a lot of the stuff on, on YouTube, there was a um I think Lukather did a whole album of Hendrix stuff too. And there was some interesting stuff on there. Mm, there's Rickard just so it. many great yeah. covers. But but for Manic Depression, man, how how can you not fall for that immediately with that intro? It's a cool riff. It's a really it's cool relentless, riff. yeah. I yeah. think that and and um um Crosstown Traffic, they're probably my two favorite uh-huh. Hendrix songs. Um, and there's some great covers of that one exactly, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh I mean God. that's a different album, but just yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a killer riff and the lyrics just they fit perfectly with the chaotic nature of the music yeah. in that. Yeah. And the unison bends at the end of the solo <laughs> and that big compound bend, like it's just it's Hendrix. And then he just blazes, you know, like he's just starts out nice and measured and then away he goes and but still he just remains so melodic in that in that context, you know. Mm. And the spitting fuzz that's just like sounds like a speaker's about to give out. Yeah. Um, well, that's a lot on that album. There's a lot of that. Yeah. You oh, like that amazing. <laughs> May This Be Love is another favourite. It's just Hendrix at his, like, sexiest. Um, I love the floating, ethereal sort of nature of Jimmy's ballads. Yeah. Like, they kind of – they're just elevated somehow. I don't know. It's, I don't know how to describe that's it. That's a great the, track, man. The panning solo yeah. almost makes you feel like he's in the room with you moving around. Yeah. It's it's you know it's and you can't I, I was turning my head thinking oh, I'm going to catch his ghost here somewhere he's it, you know <laughs> it's such a 60s psychedelic sounding album like it, oh, it is yeah. so psychedelic 60s I um, think and Fa- this be love's got panning drums as well is okay everything is probably going well yeah and to think they did it all on a four track yeah you know four track tape machine yeah. uh, even though they're still a trio that's just how they mix it. Um, fire. I love the sound of the snare in the verses yeah. in Fire, um, and that walking bass line in the chorus is just yeah. like genius. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the doubled guitars in the solo. Um, and I remember the clip. There was a video clip that Rage used to play, and it was this psychedelic, like watercolor, rainbow thing. And um, you can't get anything Hendrix official on YouTube, so it's really hard to find that stuff. I've now. noticed, yeah. <laughs> um, and Jimmy's playing and singing on fire is is really good. Uh, and then the bonus track. So the deal with the US and the UK release was that the record company in the so Chaz Chandler in the UK didn't want any of the singles on the UK release. 
But then the American record company went, well, these weren't hits there. They've got some legs, yeah. so we're going to put them on the US release. So that's why Stone Free, Highway Child, um, Red House and all those sorts of things end up on the UK release and not the US release. So, But Stone Free, um, it, it has to be one of my all-time Hendrix favourite tracks. Yeah, um, It's super early in his career and, you know, it's just, yeah, he gets better and he gets more, you know, his writing gets better, but there's just something about that song is amazing. And the cowbell, yeah. you can just, cowbell you can just hear, <laughs> yeah, you can hear Christopher Walken in the background screaming, yes. more cowbell. <laughs> and the outro has that chromatic progression, um, you know, the repeating bass line that becomes the intro of Third Stone from the Sun. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, dun, 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 and then you can hear that in Third Stone from the Sun as well. And then Highway Child. Um, Highway Child is just underrated, I think. Um, again, those unison bends, mm-hmm. who doesn't love that? Um, and Hendrix's trademark swagger on the vocal performance of that song. Yeah, yep. Um just killer. And then how he changes the feel in the pre-chorus, you know, and then back into kind of the halftime. Um, and, yeah, there's that middle pickup tone in the solo just on show there. Okay. And uh, honourable mentions go to Red House. I think that's the quintessential version of that song. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I can... I can make a case for almost every song, yeah. but yeah. They, they're definitely the standouts for me. That's cool, Rob. I, I dig Hendrix's singing. Um, he is awesome, Rob. I'm glad you brought it up because, um, yeah, he's great. Oh, remember, he's so soulful, man, on that. Mm. He, uh, the thing I noticed on this album, he does a lot of, yeah, baby. Yeah. Oh, baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> and he hated, he hated his voice. He didn't think he could sing, but he sort of said, there's a quote where he said, ah, oh, well, I thought if Dylan can get away with doing what he does, yeah. I'm be okay. You know, well, he's a much better singer than Bob Dylan. <laughs> he's so hey. expressive, man. Like he's yeah. like he's guitar playing. He's constantly working the the timbers and stuff. It's it's awesome. Yeah, it's great, Rob. I know living in the '70s, there's only really one legit '70s Hendrix record. But do you do you bust out much Hendrix stuff in that in that show? Like for a little while, we used to do Fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did Stone Free as well. So we did early Hendrix because the whole thing with living in the 70s was is like you were living in the 70s and that music from the late 60s was such an influence. It didn't just disappear. Yeah, absolutely. So hence why we do we sneak into the 60s and we sneak into the 80s because some of the bands that started in the 70s didn't have hits, like bona fide hits till the 80s, 80, 81. So it's they're so popular. Yeah, and those bands and the the fans of those bands know the first record that was out in '79, right. or gotcha. you know, it's just like you can't you, you keep both the fans of those bands and the fans of the songs happy. Um, but yeah, lately we haven't really done any Hendrix. It's uh, we just did a. I just looked at my analytics on Facebook today, and it was I think seventy one point five percent women, uh-huh. and women love to dance. So unfortunately, the the widdly widdly, you know, cool guitar songs <laughs> sometimes make way for the girl. There were songs that get girls on the dance floor. Mm. <laughs> I love your uh, statistical insight. I know you are. Uh, you get into it. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're gonna take a short break and we'll back be back with some more Jimi Hendrix. Are you experienced? This episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott, ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and the McNally Smith College of Music. I was one of the beta testers for the course and can say as a music educator, I was really impressed by the logical sequence of learning. The course has also been endorsed by players such as Brett Garson and Greg Cock. For more details, check out the links in our show notes. Okay, welcome back to the Iconic Albums series. I'm joined by Rob and Gabor, and we are talking about Hendrix's Are You Experienced, the debut album from Jimi Hendrix, and the 
again, Rob, I'm going to ask you to pull out your album. Was it was the album called Jimi Hendrix or was it called the Jimi Hendrix Experience? The Jimi Hendrix Experience. Yeah. So this is really interesting. On the back of it, it says, I should probably put my glasses on and turn some lights on in here. But no, anyway, these old people. let's see. <laughs> so, by the way, I was the only one who didn't have glasses on, just for anyone at home. Yeah, we're nerds. Um, so it says, be forewarned. Used to be an experience meant making you a bit older. This one makes you wider. Yeah. With the assistance of Mitch Mitchell on drums and Noel Redding on guitar, actually bass, but guitar as well, uh, Jimi Hendrix breaks the world into interesting fragments, then reassembles it. You You hear with new ears after being experienced. Those who've only seen him perform know only part of this experience. They rave about a young man who plays a guitar in more positions than anybody before him. Now, this debut album will put the heads on Hendrix's listeners into some novel positions. Be forewarned. Are you experienced? The one everybody's been talking about, the excitement of the Jimi Hendrix experience. So that's what covers are good for, album covers. Oh, yeah. You know? Get that that's, on Spotify. Yeah. Pitch point. <laughs> that is perfect. I, I concur with all of that information too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Far out, man. Far out. Hey, while we're talking about Noel Reading on guitar, a.k.a. bass, and Mitch Mitchell, shout out to those guys. How good are they on this record? Oh, it's just, I don't know. How do you chart that? Like, honestly, <laughs> any drummers out there, yeah. like, chart that. Chart that. Oh, my God. Anyone whose first name and last name is basically the same. It's just cool. <laughs> Steve. St- they should do Steve Mitch Stevens Mitchell should be Mitch in a band Richard. with Steve Stevens. <laughs> and Robbie Robertson. Robbie Robertson. You know? I can't think of Keep any going, more off the top of my head. Yeah, that was all right. We got, we got two. Huh? All right. We'll get a super group together. This is good. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, nuts. I, I love, I mean, not just this record, but I mean, especially this record, but some of those those freaking out 60s records where the drummers they'll they'll do a bar of feel and then a bar of feel then a bar of the groove then a bar feeling out what's yeah like there's a feel every bar basically it's so it's, good it's to me like a lot of the songs it was just drum solo i mean everyone <laughs> so all three of them just solo basically. yeah yeah um it, it's very six it's, it's definitely the drums sound very 60s the yeah. whole thing is very very it's you can put it into the 60s it's interesting the tom sounds like a really high-pitched so they're open, obviously no it sounds like there's no bottom skin, which is you know typical for that era. Mm. But the toms are pitched so high, so it must be a jazz thing too. I'm not a jazz guy, but I feel like that high pitched thing yeah. because he is a jazz guy, mm. that's where that came from. Yeah. But it sits really well in the mix and then when they phase it, yeah, you know, it works really well. Cause I guess if the if the toms were tuned low that phasing, flanging effect that they put on the drums from time to time isn't as effective because sure. yep. um, it works in those high frequencies. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's, then, it's interesting. But then John, John Bonham, I think, tuned everything very low. Yeah. And they did a lot of that as well. And it worked, you know, it, I don't know, it works for, I don't know. Yeah, but probably you're probably right, yeah. Mm. Oh, well, yeah, but the 70s was a whole different. Whole different recording, yeah, yeah the whole world. But, yeah, yeah, everything was different, yeah. To 60s, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, the, I mean, all the tones are great. We're going to talk about guitar gear shortly of course but um yeah the tones man so so good across the board um so favorite tracks for me uh, you know like we often say on this show especially the albums we individually bring in you know the whole the whole record is is obviously a big deal um but if i can put them into little categories perhaps i I do like the band the the i do like the songs when the whole band is freaking out like (laughs) in fire and uh i don't live today um that's awesome um third stone from the sun the the outro the the whole thing is like seven minutes of just trippy jamming Mm, yeah but that outro where it just it fades in and it fades out then you hear jimmy mumbling then the band fades in again and they're still just going nuts at the end of the tune (laughs) it's like the big rock and roll and and all the feedback (laughs) yeah and then it fades (laughs) you go oh that's it no comes back 
I wasn't sure if that was then. The, yeah, it's, but it was then the full album version with the, him just talking kind of in the middle of yeah, it. I thought, yeah. is that? Am I listening to the proper full album version? But yes, yeah, I am. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> pretty much That's the 60s. Yeah. yeah. So when Rob read the back of the album cover, that explained what was happening to me as I was listening to Third Stone. From <laughs> okay. <laughs> it all makes sense. Um, are you experienced all the backwards stuff? I think. Good boy, you yeah. mentioned that one. Yeah. Um, that piano note, just pulsing one note all the way through. Cool, man. So cool. Yeah, it's very Tomorrow Never Knows, you know, the Beatles yeah. track. You know, yeah. it was a bit of a nod to that apparently. Okay, um, yeah. Because he was a huge Beatles fan. Yeah, a lot of mutual respect there, hey. Mm. I know um, McCartney, I think he's often said his favourite player of that era was definitely Hendrix. But yeah, so many, so many tunes. Wind Cries Mary is just beautiful and... The story is that was recorded in the final 20 minutes of a session. Um, it was rehearsed and recorded in, in that little window oh, of, wow. of time. Hendrix had written nice. it the night before. And, um, yeah, just how beautiful are those guitars, the, the, you know, the, the hammer-on chord voicings. We call that Jimi Hendrix style. Rhythm I mean, it's iconic. It's, it's about, that's, it's, speaking of iconic albums, I mean, that is yeah. about as iconic as it gets. Um, he, he started a whole style of playing with mm. that stuff. Yeah, the combining like lead rhythm. Yeah, lead, the lead rhythm player, the melody thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, super cool. Amazing, super cool. I think I'm just going to repeat other tunes you guys have already mentioned for probably the same endings. Um, I don't live today. Again, another one where that's pretty heavy. That tune actually. That's a cool riff. I like that. Yeah. That sort of. It's almost yeah. It's a weird riff, but it's a cool riff. Yeah, totally. And then the uh, Foxy and Purple Haze, like the super. Again, the tones, they've just become part of the uh, part of the landscape for Fuzz, hey? Like the, yeah. the Octavia in Purple Haze, of course, and and just that, just the fatness of Foxy Lady, that's that's nuts. And the Jimi Hendrix chord. So we've got Jimi Hendrix chord playing and the Jimi Hendrix chord. Of, yeah. <laughs> I remember learning that at a guitar lesson. My, my teacher said, look, if you're talking to a jazz guy, it's a, it's a dominant seven sharp nine, but... Um, just call it the Hendrix chord. Everyone will know what you mean. <laughs> he was right. And it's a perfect chord almost set up for fingers. Yeah. Like how yeah. all your fingers fall, you know, like they just fall naturally yep. into that chord. It's the most natural chord it's ever. It's a weird chord It's because it's a major minor chord. It yeah. has a major third, minor third in it, so you can play anything you want over it, which is I guess it fits into that 60s psychedelic vibe. Yeah, man. You can, mm. you can kind of go major, kind of go minor. They both kind of work. Yeah. <laughs> And in, I guess, in a functional harmony, um, Beato, a functional harmony sense. Um, Beato. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched the new one last <laughs> night, the Kravitz Bowl. The oh cra- my yeah, God. So I started watching that, the Kravitz Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's not go down no, that no, path. No, 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 no. Let's keep on track. Keep yeah, on. Well, quick explanation. We're talking about uh, what makes this song stink, which is a great YouTube channel. Please check it out. It's it's one of What's our favorites. What's his name? Fla- Flanner, Flanner, Flannery, Flannery, Pat, something like that. Pat Finity. Finity. Pat Finity. Finity. Yeah. yeah. Why this song stinks? Why this song Pat stinks? Finity. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. He's <laughs> funny. That's highly recommended. Anyway, that that chord, a seven sharp nine. It's usually a five. It's usually like a dominant five chord, but Hendrix makes it the one chord. The one chord, you know, yeah. It's usually the really tense chord and it wants to pull back to the one. No, he just does it for the chord one, just just yeah. hammers it and owns it. <laughs> it's the best. So good. Let's um, let's talk tones then, tones and guitars. So I'll give a quick overview of what I know, what I'm pretty sure was going on then, and then I'll get you guys to jump in because I know you've both got some... Well, I think there'll be some fun facts with Rob coming up. Stuff here, man. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So, of course, Hendrix is is famous for playing a CBS-era Fenders, obviously flipped upside down. Here's the thing. Everyone bags out the the late 60s Fenders, and and probably for good reason, because CBS were quickly got into the penny pinching on those guitars, but Mm. no one complains about Hendrix's guitar tone. Nah. Funny thing, that. Anyway, he made it work. So there's the flipped, the flip strats. Um, I want to talk about the pickup too. That bridge pickup, that's the big deal. Because obviously, with the flipped guitar, I've never done this. I, I love playing strats. I'm a strat player, so I, I don't know why I haven't done this yet. Life's not too short not to have done this yet. Have you guys ever played, yeah, like a flipped pickup on a strat? Rob's yep. not. I haven't. No. Rob's not. Gabor's nodding. I am. Uh, I have a. Well, I have the. Um the uh, Ibanez 
uh, firemen. Oh, okay. The Paul Gilbert fireman, yep. and, and he put them the other way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's that way, and I think it makes more sense that way because yeah. you get it a, absolutely does. You get yeah. a, a treblier sound on the bass strings and a bassier sound, yeah, bassier sound on the treble strings. So it, it makes more sense that way, really, if you think about it. Well, we talked about that in. I uh, didn't. We talk about that in the chisel, yeah, one as well because yeah. Mossy reverses it, and the fact that Leo Fender wasn't a guitarist, yeah, and that you know when you actually think about it. The peg, the tuning pegs are wrong as well because yeah. you want the shortest on the E and the longest on the low E because of the tension. Yeah, yeah. Right. So you're creating more tension on a on a thinner string by stretching it out longer yeah. and tuning it up. So it should almost be the opposite, which well, it, you know, it is on Nuno Betancourt signature models and reverse headstock fenders. That's right. He, you know, he <laughs> made a, he made a bunch of mistakes because he wasn't a guitar player. Because I mean, the whole vibrato yeah. tremolo thing. Mm. Yeah, you know, calling the calling the tre- the thing on the guitar the tremolo and the thing on the amp a vibrato when it's really the other way around. So yeah, so he, yeah. he did a lot of he wasn't a guitar player, yeah. but we won't hold that against him. No, no way. I think it's Fender's seventy fifth birthday. So shout out to our friends at Fender as well. Happy birthday, Fender yeah. people! <laughs> and I did notice when I was uh, shout out to Malula Bar Music um, that when I was in there that they've almost I mentioned to the guys that it's like Fender have gone back to their roots. And they're selling the parts again. Like you can yeah. go and buy a black Fender body and a neck. And that was his original vision, Leo yeah. Fender, was to be able to do that, that they could just parts guitars together and if something broke or didn't work, they could just call him up and I need another neck. Yep. And they'd just whack another neck on because that wasn't something you could do with the neck throughs and the yeah. you know, glue-ins of Gibsons. For sure. That, um, yeah, and it's, it's really great that... You used to only be able to buy licensed Fender parts or, you know, Mighty Might and Warmoth yeah. and whatever else, MJT, yeah, MJT lately. Now Fender's doing it and, um, you know, maybe the licensing market isn't as lucrative as it used to be mm. and uh, that's why they've gone back to doing it. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. So, yeah, so agree. And maybe, I mean... Lots of people are building parts casters and all sorts of things too, so maybe they're jumping in on that too. So it's not a bad thing at all. No. Mm. Anyway, Hendrix made do do with his upside down post CBS, sorry, post Fender, post L series. Poor bloke having to play those guitars. Poor guy, yeah. Jeez. But once he started burning them, Fender were throwing them at him. <laughs> That's what I got to do. <laughs> they still survive too. Yeah, yeah. You know, Tweezel Zappa's got one. Yeah, yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a that's cool. interesting, a couple of interesting videos about that, the whole, you know, how it kind of came, he, he brought it back to life. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Because he found cool. it under, under, sta- under the stairs yeah, or something his, like that. His dad had it, His right? dad had it and it was yeah. in bits. And yeah, anyway, interesting story, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Tweezel, man. What a childhood. We've, we've mentioned him in a few shows. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Friend of the show, I might add. Oh, day, Dweez. I'll call him okay. Dweez. Um, okay, he's playing uh, Marshall Plexis, the JMP 100. Fun fact that the late 60s Plexis, they started using EL34s, which I, I know for me that seems like the, the iconic Marshall tube, um, but moved moved from the KT88. So KT, yeah. There's some thought that that um, was a bit more rocking in that, in that, in that thing. And then well, quickly... Break- they break up more to 34s. The 88s stay clean much. They have much more headroom, clean headroom. Okay, yeah, the 88s. yeah. Fair enough. Um, pedals. It seems pretty sparse at this stage. So there's a Dallas Arbiter Fuzz Face, a Germanium one. Um, there's a Voxwar, which he runs before the fuzzes. Curious. And then because they're not buffered, so you got to. Yeah. Oh, the Voxwar was not buffered. I'm just being silly about the buffer thing okay. with wires and fuzz. No, but that's why he was so out of control with it, right? Because yeah. he was always wrestling that the squawk yeah. and the everything. So yeah. he, I think years ago I read the Eddie Kramer book that he and um, yeah, and he talked about how he just experimented. So for one song, he'd put it one way and the other way and he'd go, oh, that's what I want to hear or live, same thing, put it either way, yeah. just depending on how it sounded. Yeah. yeah. I read this quote from uh, Roger Mayer, who also built a bunch of stuff yeah. for him, um, who yeah. said in the studio they were doing all sorts of stuff like that they wouldn't do live. So putting EQs or extra drive stages before the fuzzes, 
Yeah. So essentially what we're all doing these days, you know, yeah. a lot of us, you know, stacking drives or boosting stuff before before a gain stage or something. So there was talk of that as well. Now, I'm not sure if Maya was talking about this record in particular or later on. The Octavia is on this record for uh, most notably Purple Haze, but then other stuff like the Uni Vibe, that was, you know, much later on. Well, yeah. a couple of years later on. And early fun fact about the uh, Maya Octavia was that Roger Mayer meets Hendrix in a club in 67 and uh, within three weeks he's using Mayer's Octavia on the solo of Purple Haze. Mm -hmm. So that's how quickly it was done, handed to him, wow. and he was using it and put it on a record. Unreal. You know, crazy. But, yeah, they were – I know in the book Hendrix is quoted because Eddie Kramer is just a bit of a studio freak at this time mm. and – he had a lot to do with how the record sounded, how Hendrix guitars sounded, the effects, all that sort of stuff, pre and post. And um, Hendrix would just go, oh, I've got this sound in my head. I don't know how to get it. you know. And he would explain, oh, what is it? Well, I heard this dream. I was playing guitar underwater. And then they would, Eddie Kramer would help him build that sound and, you know, someone would come in with a pedal, whether it was Roger Mayer or whatever, and they'd, put this sound together as a whole sort of collective mm. and then put it down and Hendrick goes, that's it, wow. you know. Wow. So he had these ideas. He didn't quite have the skills to implement it. Yeah. So he had this team around him who could create those sounds. It was just, yeah, it was, was it, it's amazing to hear those those stories. Wasn't it a similar thing with uh, in, in um, uh, Crosstown Traffic and with the comb and aluminium foil? Because it's like a kazoo kind of thing. That the, yeah, it wasn't yeah. the same sort of thing with that. Do, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he heard, kind of heard it, and then I think it was Eddie Kramer who just said, "Oh, let's just try this <laughs> or something like that." Yeah. Cause it, it was that um, you know the 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 classic albums or whatever you know that TV show where they go yeah. back into the studios and listen to the isolated tracks and stuff. I yeah. think he was talk, he was talking yeah. about that at one stage. And I think originally they um, they got that idea from Skippy. And the gum leaf, but I don't know. That could be. <laughs> could just be making that up. Yeah, maybe. Do you know that show? Good Have you, was that part Skippy of the, the bush kangaroo? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What's that, Timmy? What's Timmy's that? in the well. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. But yeah, every episode started that, with yeah. him blowing on the gum leaf. Yeah, you know? yeah. It was great. Oh, how did we get there? Oh, sure. That's right. good. Stupid though. brain. Any other any other gear stuff you guys want want to talk about? All right, so I've got this book, which is amazing. Um, it's a coffee table book called uh, Jimi Hendrix Gear by Michael Wheatley um, and the foreword's by Roger Mayer. So, uh, but it's got him with the white 64 Strat, which is his first Strat. Um, the first Strat Jimi Hendrix played entered the country with him when he arrived at Heathrow Airport in September 66, albeit carried by a roadie um, since he was entering as a visitor and wasn't officially able to work. So he wasn't able, able to carry the guitar oh, wow. on. So that's really cool. The instrument was purchased that May from Manny's Music in New York um, with funds that were, he was given to by his girlfriend, Carol, what is it, Sherlocky at the time. The price of the new Strat was $289. How many iconic instruments have been bought at Manny's in New York? I know. It's insane, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? And now Norm's has picked up yeah. the, you know, well, all uh, those same baton. instruments are now norms. That ones are. <laughs> That's right. Um, but yeah, the Marshall. So there's all like the Marshalls and even the pictures of the catalogs oh, that wow. existed That's at so the time. Cool. There's interviews with Roger Mayer. How um, you know? But there's a whole thing on are you experienced? Um, the studios, you know, Olympic Studios. Um, they went there because it was favoured by the Stones. Um, and yeah, Eddie Kramer and Chaz were there doing all of that. And um, yeah, it's just, it's a really great book for, for gear nerds. So, hello. Cool, man. That's <laughs> me. That's us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Comic book guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. And I man. think those, those um, Fender Custom Shop 69 pickups, I've tried, again, just, Trying to get that Hendrix tone, um, to me, the best pickup ever to 
to achieve that were the 69 custom shops. And I had the Abigail I have a set um, of wound ones like a long time ago. Wish I never sold them. I have a set. But if you want one, I have a set that I just got out of a guitar because I um, I put um, I had to get, put Fishman Flutes pickups in it. But um, yeah. uh, I never liked them. I mean, okay, I'm not a Strat guy, but I never liked the the 69 Abigail. I've got, so if anyone out there wants to buy a Fender <laughs> custom shot with the signature, her signature on the back, Abigail Ibarra. Wow. Um, I, I'm, I, you know, happy if the price is right. <laughs> well, I'm looking yeah. at Rob's face. I think Rob should get first dibs. Oh, Rob, and then... you and me talk. Yeah. Yes. Well, <laughs> it could be. It could happen. But yeah, I've, I've got a couple of like old demos of originals that I've done that had that. I built a white strat with a CBS headstock awesome. and a body and wired up everything and had the 69s in it. And I understand. Well, I'm pretty sure I understand why you don't like it, and because they're they're super open and transparent and really low output. So they're very bright, I they, found. They're very sort of and, thin and bright. Yeah, I don't know if I found that. I found that they the more than any other pickup, they bought out the sound of the guitar that they were in. Okay. So if it was, you know, a big bodied, like big dense sounding piece of wood, then you just got like this dead but if you had a really lively guitar, the pickups were lively and it just gave you what I had them in two or three different guitars and then they always sounded different, but it just sounded like that guitar. Like, you know, when it was unplugged, you heard the character come through the pickups, yeah. which I thought really amazing. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome, man. Hey, you got any um, fun facts, Rob? All right. So we, we've done a couple of fun facts. We did the Roger Mayer one and we did the, uh, the different album covers and the tracks. Um, and Gabor mentioned the different foxy lady spending foxy, uh, foxy. spellings. She's not just foxy, so, she's foxy. Spellings. So foxy, so F-O-X-E-Y yeah. was for the American release and foxy, F-O-X-Y, was for the UK release. So, um, yeah, that's a little the Americans usually there. take letters out. They don't add. <laughs> or they just replace them with a Z. Or with a Z, you know? yeah. yeah. Or, is, or a Z. Z or a Z? A Z. Oh, my God. Going to get calls. Um, the Hendrix version of Hey Joe omits the first verse where Joe buys the gun. Ooh. So in the original, there's a first verse goes, Hey, Joe, where are you going with that money in your hand? Chasing my woman. She's run off with another man. Going downtown to buy me a forty-four. Oh. So that's the first verse. Um, so in the original, um, that verse is in there, but most pre-Hendrix, um, so that verse is in most pre-Hendrix versions, but almost never in any post-Hendrix version cover versions of the song. Okay. So the covers usually of the Hendrix one. Um, there's a cup. There's one notable uh, cover of this song uh, by Deep Purple. So Deep Purple Mark One on Shades of Purple, I believe the album was. Um, it's a it's like this epic, crazy intro before it goes into almost like a Hendrix version of the song, but it's this big classical, you know. Wow. <laughs> uh, it's it's so Deep Purple, like it's insane. <laughs> but it's this big two minute intro before it goes into the slow version. Um. So, Purple Haze, Jimmy and producer Chaz Chandler used some unusual studio tricks to get the unique sound of that song. So, to create the background track that sounds distant, they put a pair of headphones around a microphone and recorded it to get that echo effect. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's really... On his vocal or...? Just on the track. So, um, it just said they were to get some distant... It must be okay. in, the, um, in the outro or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then when the recording went to Hendrix's American label, they had to put a note on it that said, deliberate distortion, do not correct. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was really cool. That's awesome. That's so um, And finally, just some um, really cool covers for people to check out. So um, Robert, I'm almost going to go down the album track listing here, but Robert Randolph and the family band do an amazing cover of Purple Haze. He's great. He's killer. Oh. Yeah. Um, I mentioned the Jeff Beck Seal version of Manic Depression. Um, that's killer. Um, Wind Cries Mary in the soundtrack of The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, uh, there's Richie Sambora does a cover 
of The Wind Cries really? Mary. Wow. Okay. And in the out in the solo section, it blows out into the um, riff version of the outro of Hey Joe, which is oh, you know, okay. That's, okay. that's killer. Um, Hendrix, uh, the Stone Free, so that um, cover album, the tribute to Hendrix, there is The Cure do a version of Purple Haze as well, which is amazing. It's so good. I can't, Very I can't atmospheric. Imagine that, but yeah, okay. It, it, <laughs> like I can't imagine how to cure with two people eight, so. You would I think you'd absolutely love it, man. It's it's on this like little electro loop and it's very atmospheric. Uh, it's great. Um also on that album Clapton does Stone Free. That's a really good version of that. Um and check out Living Colors version of Crosstown Traffic. That's not on this record. I kind of snuck off with that one but um yeah they're just some hendrix covers to check out just to see how people reinterpreted some of those songs yeah nice man very cool oh there's actually there's a good cover the the wood brothers to is it angel is it angel is that uh, is that yeah. a song called angel yeah there's a song called angel isn't it they, it's not yeah, on that song cry of love but yeah. the wood brothers um they i don't know if you heard of the wood brothers before but they're um check out the wood brothers they're actually really good um Great guitar player, great bass player. Um, he plays in a in a band called Medeski Martin and Wood, which is sort of like a jazz improv band from New York. Anyway, uh, him and his brother do a thing called the Wood Brothers, and they do a great, really good version of Angel. Yeah, just, nice. just I just remembered that. Awesome. I'm going to find out the name of the band in Wayne's World. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Google. See where was Google? But everybody's done a version of I Don't Live Today too. There's a great version that Paul Rogers does and I think he does that with Jeff Beck. And Kenny Wayne Shepherd band do I Don't Live Today oh, as well live awesome. a lot. And he's got a new live record out that came out this year and I think they do a cover of it on that too. Crucial yeah. Taunt. Yes, news just in. <laughs> Tia Carrera's band in Wayne's World was called Crucial Taunt. <laughs> what a terrible name yeah. for a band. <laughs> No wonder they never made yeah. it. Maybe. <laughs> All right. I reckon that's done us for Hendrix's Are You Experienced? Great record. Great conversation, fellas. Thanks so much. Yes. Oh, so, sorry, people Thanks. out there. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it and torturing Gabor with it. Always fun to torture Gabor <laughs> with some classic rocking. Guys, thank you for joining us on the Guitar Speak podcast. This has been our iconic album series. Please check out our back series. There's another 20 or so of these. Uh, and of course, the interview show. My thanks to Fretboard Biology for sponsoring today's episode as well. Uh, my name is Matt Wakeling. You've been listening to the Guitar Speak podcast, and I always love to leave you with the words from German rocker Michael Schenker. But maybe Gabor or Rob might like to kick us off with this this week. Michael Schenker once told me to keep rocking keep and on keep on rocking. <laughs> See you next time. Ciao. Oh, I always love that at the end of the podcast. Keep rocking and keep on rocking. <laughs>